Welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show today is none other than the president and CEO of WTVP PBS Studios. Please help me welcome Leslie Matuzak to Self Made. Leslie, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's now, fun to be on this couch. I know, right? It's an unusual position for yes, you as it well. Is. So uh, let's jump right into it. Okay. So, Leslie, you grew up in Pittsburgh, correct? Yes. yes, I did. Talk to me about your childhood there. What was it like growing up in Pittsburgh? So we lived in Pittsburgh um, in the suburbs, and I have a sister who is three years younger. Um, my mom worked at Mellon Bank, which yeah. was, you know, uh, it's now PNC. Yeah. And we were always told that you need to do something relevant. Yeah. So from an early age, she always said, you know, be your own person, do something. Um, but my mom then, once I came along, she decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. My dad was in the steel industry, and I remember Christmas mornings, my father would get up real early, we'd have Christmas really early, and this stuck with me my whole life. He would go to the mill, and he would be there for most of the day with the, the folks that were working um, early shifts and second and third shifts. Yeah. And that I tried to bring that into my whole life to always look for others, you know, what do they need instead yeah. of being home. Um, so when I decided to join the working world, those kind of early messages right. stuck close to my heart. And so I try to practice them today. Well, you know, those type of lessons are ones that I think all of us can use and can stand to practice more of. Yes. Um, what was high school like there in Pittsburgh? Well, we left Pittsburgh. We had a home in Pittsburgh and in Princeton, Illinois. So I had the best of both worlds. Okay. I was able to live in the city in Pittsburgh yeah. and then in Princeton, Illinois, which was a town of 10,000 people. Gotcha. And I loved it. And I, um, of course, you know, there's nothing like shopping. So right. I enjoyed going back to Pittsburgh and there was no sales tax on clothes. So, you know, we, we went back a lot. Um, but I got into showing horses, saddlebreds, uh -huh. when we moved to Princeton. And my dad would go back to Pittsburgh and my mom and my sister and I would stay in, in Princeton, Illinois, because um, we really loved it there. And, I, and again, I got into showing horses and met a lot of yeah. people in Peoria uh, that I'm still friends with. And my horse friends are, are my lifelong so, friends. So what is it like showing horses? Uh... It was great. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's a very serious business. Um, I take, I, I still am in the horse industry, but not like I should be, you know, okay. or, or would be if I was retired. And that's not on the horizon for me. Okay. I, I have too much energy. I'm like you. <laughs> right. I, there's no way. No way I can sit So still. we did it differently than a lot of big barns did. We had a big barn um, that was run by Lois and Jerry Zerlene. And there were probably eight to ten girls, and we're still all friends today. Um, we, we did the grunt work. Uh -huh. You know, anybody 
can have a horse and or horses and here you do it, you prepare the horse for the show ring. But we learned from the ground up. Um, and so we were self-made yeah. in the horse industry because we were competing against fancy people with fancy horses and we'd beat them. We had a connection with our horses like nobody else had. Really? Yeah, in fact, this is kind of a funny story. I learned to uh, drive tractors. Um, really? Up and down the, you know, we helped it. We loved our stable friends and we loved the grooms um, that are still our friends today. Yeah. And we'd help feed horses, so we learned to drive tractors and, you know, muck stalls and feed horses and throw hay. But when I got my driver's license, I hooked up a horse trailer to our car. We, we I, and I had a horse trailer. My dad, you know, got us a horse trailer. We, we showed and we went on big semi-vans, but I took my horse home, um, rode him up and down my street for all my neighbors and my neighbor <laughs> kids, and it was kind of cool. <laughs> so, you know, we just, we had that connection. Yeah. Um, so, uh, talk to me about college. You, you went to Bradley College, correct? So, I started at SIU so I could okay. show horses, um, and I did my undergraduate work at SIU, Carbondale, okay. Okay. Um, which is kind of right in the beginning of horse country. I was an out-of-state student by that time. Yeah. Um, my dad had relocated pieces of the business to Michigan, right. um, to the more of the Warren, Michigan, uh, Rochester, Michigan area. Right. And um, so after I was an undergrad and I came to Peoria, I, my first job was at Bradley University right out of college. I went through college, um, I went through high school in three and a half years. Then I went through college pretty quickly, about three years, and came to Bradley, um, worked with some amazing people that taught me quite a bit. And so then I did my MBA at Bradley. And then, um, full disclosure, <laughs> I didn't get into uh, Harvard Business School as a young person uh -huh. out of um, high school. And I don't look at that as a failure now, but right. at the time I did. Um, and so I went back to um, Cambridge as an older person. I'm a lifelong learner. Right. I think are, that's the key. That's, the, that's a yeah. very I know you are key. too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm very familiar with Carbondale. Ironically, uh -huh. I built a school uh, in Harrisburg. Oh, Illinois. I know that area well. Yeah. So, yeah. And we've been talking to the uh, airport authority over there as well, Southern oh, Illinois. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, I'm very familiar with that area. Um, so. You developed a love for nonprofits, right? Yes. So when did that come so about? So I used to go with my mom when we lived in Pittsburgh, full time living in Pittsburgh, and collect for March of Dimes. That was, you know, unfortunately they were able to eradicate a lot of disease and issues. And March of Dimes has reinvented themselves and now are on to other ways to help and improve people's lives. So I'd go collecting with my mom. Um, my mom, being a stay at home mom, was very, very involved in the community in our school or where my sister and I went in our church. So it, it, we were always taught, it, you know, to share blessings and yeah. to share talents. And I just like people yeah. and I like helping people. So I spent 17 years before I came here with boys and girls clubs, right. um, helping underprivileged kids. So talk to me about your time with the boys and girls club. What was that like? And uh, what contribution do you feel that the Boys and Girls Club make to the communities they serve? I think it changes people's lives. And first and foremost, disadvantaged children don't necessarily mean children of one economic si situation. Um, I remember a little guy that 
um, I'm, I still know, who had the world. Um, traveled to Europe, uh, you know, when he was 16, had the nicest, coolest car, but he never saw his parents. Yeah. And then I had kids that would come in to boys and girls clubs and they never had anything new. Not only did it change my lives, but it changed the lives of everybody that was on our board of directors and everybody that worked at boys and girls clubs. It's still very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, and the coolest thing for me is I hear from kids that I had that are now raising families. Um, I had a young woman, I'm not going to say her full name, but her first name was Tamika. I was so impressed by this young woman, and she worked for us, yeah. and um, as kind of a youth development person, she got on a wrong path, and we had to straighten her out, and it, it, it didn't work so well. I had to call her in one day and say, and I called her Miss Tamika, and I said, you, you got to get your act together, or because you're not a role model for the kids here at, at Boys and Girls Clubs, and we served about 1,500 kids. Lot. And she and I decided that it would be best for her to part ways and go somewhere else. And it broke my heart to tell her that I, I just couldn't have her there. Yeah. But I told her as she was leaving, I said, you need to go to ICC. You need to get in school and you need to get away from the people that were kind of messing with their life. Yeah. And I didn't hear from her until two and a half years later, and she called me and I went to her graduation at ICC. Oh, wow. And she is now also with nonprofits, and what a turnaround. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. What about as far as the, um, the kids that you interacted with? Are there any stories there that are memorable? Sure. Um, one of the things, so when my daughter, she went to Notre Dame High School, and in fact, one of her friends is now a principal at District 150. And they worked in the summer for me at the Grinnell Boys and Girls Clubs, which is kind of down by where the old Harrison Homes used to be. Mm -hmm. And they came down, and these were girly girls, and um, they were teaching everybody how to try out for dance team and student council, and everybody was like, you know, you can do it, you can do yeah. it. So it changed those lives. And one of the girls... Um, and actually, I still hear from her, too. I hear from a lot of people. She wrote to my daughter and said, you were the reason that I did not do drugs, that I did not get pregnant. Um, and my, I remember my daughter told her, you know, and again, my daughter, um, she's a, she was a math major and a business major. And, um, but she said, you are so special. Don't let anybody ever take advantage of you. And, you know, of course, then she said, get a different boyfriend, you know, and all the, you know. So anyways, yeah. long story short, um, that stayed with me, that that yeah. I was able to have my child help somebody else um, right. and their friends story. today. Yeah, Really? Mm -hmm. That's good. Now, you are known as a prolific fundraiser. And oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I turn to the camera and make a pitch? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what, what do you uh, contribute your success in that area to? 
I think it's my, first of all, I don't see myself as that successful in that area. I'd like to see myself more successful in that area, but I like fundraising because I like the missions that go with fundraising. Right. I like the fact of being able to, you know, with nonprofits, change people's lives, improve right. people's lives, right. eradicate disease. Um, with WTVP and, it, it, you know, and what we do here with five channels, particularly the remote, the 24-7 learning channel, yeah. it also changes people's lives. Right. So I think if you can convey that. The other thing is I don't ask people for money. People know if they want to contribute and be a part of something good that's moving forward. Yeah. And it, and they, I think everybody that makes a contribution to whoever, whether it's PBS, Boys and Girls Clubs, church, et cetera, yeah. it's what does it, how does it make you feel? What do you get out of it? And how right. does it help other people? I think right. down deep, everybody wants to help somebody and 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 maybe maybe it's a selfish thing because maybe it makes you well I know with me if I'm helping someone else that makes me feel better yeah, about I, me well I think I, same thing for me yeah uh, but then at the same time you do have this segment of the population who are just in it for themselves mm -hmm. and I don't get that concept particularly uh, but what do you think happened in your life that made you be more mission focused than an outcome driven? So I was adopted. My birth mother was a professional tennis player. And I feel so blessed that I was able to have the family that I have. Yeah. And I could have been, you know, so many friends um, and people I've known and people that, that you and I know right. that lived in a home, either a foster home or an adopted home. Right. I was lucky I went to my parents and they are my parents. They got me when I was like two days old. Wow. Um, it, that could have been a different story. Absolutely. So there's a little bit of guilt in all honesty yeah. there. Um, you, you know, you, and my mom and dad always, we were taught, I mean, you give back. Yeah. You know, my dad, um, the company that he worked for and then his companies were part of the part of the the success of those businesses were because they had a core message and a core feeling to give back to others. You know, it was right. in their gut. Right. You know, you share your blessings. Right. And you know, it, it if you're blessed enough and, and you know and I don't mean monetarily I mean if you have a skill set that um, that you can share why wouldn't you want to share that right absolutely no so, I agree with you yeah. wholeheartedly so uh, you've been adopted so when did you I guess first learn oh I always knew my so parents never hid that from me okay. in fact my cousin um, my mom's cousin's daughter she was also adopted my um, there was a children's home in Pittsburgh. It was a Florence Crittenden home. And, uh -huh. you know, back in the day, whenever somebody, you know, would get pregnant, they hid you away. And you went to the Flo Crit homes um, and you, you know, you had your child and, yeah. and they matched you up. It's really amazing because my background is my genetic background and my heritage is the same as my parents. Right. My, you know, my um, you know, you're not a parent just because you birth a child. Yeah, absolutely correct. You know. absolutely. And, and we taught that to a yeah. lot of our um, parents at Boys and Girls Clubs. We, we had a lot of parenting classes at Boys and Girls Clubs. The, the one thing about Peoria, 
Bloomington Normal, Galesburg and our surrounding areas, uh -huh. Princeton, LaSalle, Peru, there are really good support systems based on United Way, based on community foundations, right. et cetera. So there's, if you know, if you need help in, for whether you're, you know, having a child or abuse or whatever, there's United Way agencies and other agencies yeah. that can really get you through that. Right. And so interestingly enough, my, my mother was adopted mm -hmm. and I can tell with her, uh, there's always been this little void in her, um, wanting to be, I think, in some kind of shape, form, or fashion, have some kind of connectivity with her biological mother who okay. never wanted to have anything to do yep. with her, even as an adult. And I, I get that, but I've never experienced that. Yeah. People that I know um, have, have said that. I felt so blessed, and I look like my, my mom. Yeah. Um, I don't look like my sister, right? Um, but I, I just never felt that way. Well, and me either. Uh, yeah. You know, I I know that biologically, that's my grandmother. Mm -hmm. But I've never had an interest. She never had an interest in my mom, so I never had an interest yeah. in her, and it's never been a void. I didn't have a father growing up, and you know, it's something that mm -hmm. never concerned me because I felt like the family that I had was sufficient to provide what I, right. what I needed. Well, and I think part of the thing, you know, when we talk about being self-made, there are other people other than our parents that right. help us that become who you. we are. Absolutely. And, and again, that goes to that giving back. If you can mentor someone, um, in fact, this whole staff here at WTVP and Peoria Magazine, they right. mentor me. Right. You know, I like to think I provide something and mentor them too. Right, absolutely. But um, you mentored me when I first met you and oh, we were you. at a fundraiser. Somebody right. was asking us for money. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing I think about fundraising. Um, it always upset, upsets me when people ask me for money, when people haven't given money yeah. or people haven't given time, treasure, or talent. It doesn't right. have to be right. financially. But, but some sort of resource to help support the, the mm -hmm. mission and the cause, mm -hmm. absolutely. So you, you mentioned Peoria Magazine, and I yes. know uh, since you've been uh, the CEO here at WTVP, you all acquired uh, Peoria Magazine. Yes. Uh, why, number one, why did you acquire it? Why did you make that decision? But number two, how important is that magazine to the local community? So I believe it's very important. And, and first and foremost, I want to say that Peoria Magazine was started back in the day by David Wright and his wife, Jan Wright. David died and Jan um, was very, very instrumental in keeping that magazine going. She had help from the community, but she kept that going. And as Jan, um, we're, we're about the same age, um, wanted to um, do other things with her life, she, it's my understanding, and, I, and we are friends, uh -huh. that she was going to sell her magazine. Um, I came, we came in at kind of the, the end of the cycle where, you know, she was going to just, you know, close up and, yeah. um, in fact, Wayne Baum and Ray LaHood, um, two people here in this community said, yeah, take a look at this. So we literally sat down with Jan, uh, cut a deal and we, uh -huh. you know, it took a few weeks to get it done. And we changed the magazine a little bit. Um, 
I know you write for it. You, yeah, you know, absolutely. you're Forbes endorsed, which is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and you do write well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so we we changed it and made it a little more what it, we think it needs to be right now for for us. That's yeah. not that it wasn't good before. We just changed it for our needs and as the community was changing. Right. So. Um, what I love about it, it gives us a chance to explore what's going on in our community and our region. And our publication is 100% positive. Right. You're not going to read anything negative. We're all about moving the region forward, right. which is what right. we're about here at PBS. Right. Now, that isn't, doesn't mean that at PBS and on some of our local shows that we aren't going to dive deep and... Um, sometimes somebody gets crossed, you're caught in a crossfire, and right. that's okay because we, we want to be relative, you know, rel relevant, relevant yeah. to people. We want to be trustworthy. We want to be fair and balanced and accurate. Right. So right. Um, our show at issue with H. Wayne Wilson, uh, H. does an amazing job. You'll notice we don't underwrite that show. Because if if you are a company and, and we're gonna hammer you a little bit, yeah. we don't want you. you know, we don't want to feel like oh we can't can't give it to them. They're right. an underwriter. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, anyways, then and then other shows like for the magazine, there's a show that Julie Sanders and Phil Luciano do called "You Gotta See This," which uh -huh. is an extension of the magazine, so we can dig deeper into issues. Okay. I know your column. And the magazine is about leadership and right. it, it instructs people and gives people tips and right. you know what's going on in the field and how to self-improve and become more self-made to the folks that you know right. and the, Absolutely. Their, yeah Absolutely. so so I want to jump back just a little bit how do you decide to make the transition from boys and girls club to WTVP. Well, I really didn't make that decision. My my <laughs> boss, <laughs> my boss, my dear friend and my neighbor, Andrew Rand, who is the CEO of Advanced Medical Transport. Okay. Uh, Andrew was um, also the and is the Peoria County Board Chairman. Um, called me up and he said. Hey, guess what you're going to do now? And you know, <laughs> and, and I'm being a little facetious, but. Yeah. Um, I said, oh, no, I'm not. And he said, oh, yes, you are. And uh, we have such a synergy between our leadership, our executive committee. Yeah. I've worked with those folks um, for a long time in other capacities. It just made sense. I love the vision that Andrew has for advanced medical transport. And Andrew, um, I don't want to say, well, the word cleaned up the county board, but Andrew righted the ship, took the best of the county board and made it even better. And that's gotcha. continuing today under his leadership and will continue as Andrew cycles off and other people um, will be voted or selected to take those positions. So since your time here at mm -hmm. uh, WTVP, mm -hmm. what has been, I guess, your greatest accomplishment? Well, one is your show coming on and HBCU. Thank you. Um, I love the diversity and the inclusion that we were able to put back into our station. We've always had it, but now, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on local shows. Um, you know, it wasn't easy for our staff 
uh, we have a lot of people that have been here a number of years. We grew a staff, yeah. you know, and then change comes in. And I'm a now person. I'm not a wait and see, let's take right, our time. Right. I'm kind of like you. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it now. We're going to do it successfully and right. jump on board or jump out. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I like the synergy we now have. I, I've been able to see people's talents and appreciate their talents. I always say we can fight like cats and dogs, but, you know, internally, but we are united. United front. front. That's mm -hmm. right. That's, that's important. And what we've been able to do, and it's not one person, it's not the executive committee, it's not the board of directors, it's everybody that's involved with PBS. We've done it together. But most important, it's about the audience and the feedback that we get from the audience, yeah. the underwriters, the, the, the advertisers, the promoters. Right. You know, it's we listen. Um, we listen hard. And, and that's something that I'm even learning to do even more. I think we all have to learn that. Yeah. And I must say, you have a great staff here. Um, me Thanks. and my team, we, we love We love coming. your team. Yeah, we feel right at home when yeah. we come. I mean, we came, mm -hmm. y'all embraced us immediately, and it's, it's been, it's been uh, a wonderful journey with you, you all. Well, when we met, I mean, it, there was synergy. I know right. you were standing by my husband. I mean, you know, and uh, you and, and Mark are pretty dasher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the haberdashers? Yeah. No, I know you have a, a company that makes But yeah, so it was like, I think we met on a Saturday evening or something. <laughs> and then like the next Friday or Thursday, Fridays, I, you was, were here. I was back here. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah inside. I just, I love that. I, and that's, I think, the success of not only this show, but our local shows and the other things that we do at PBS, we move. Right. We, I mean, we were like, we got to do this. Yeah, and, no, absolutely. Yeah, and you said, I was so impressed because you go, I'll be up there. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, because you get this, you know, you meet somebody and it's like, yeah, we got to do the show. And, you know, right. the other one that's like that is Rob Sharkey and Emily Sharkey. Um, you know, that that is just an amazing synergy that we have. And we yeah. were able to bring this agricultural show right. to this region. Um, and that was the same way. I mean, I, I, I met them the same way I met you. Really? And it's like, we're doing this. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Rob and Emily. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just, it worked. And so we we want to take the shark farmer and, you know, um, well, we needed it, first of all. I mean, yeah. we're in an agricultural community, um, so it's kind of cool. Right, right. I remember um, we talked about doing a, a, a second show, and yep. I, I had the thought over the weekend. Yep. I sent the email on Sunday, <laughs> really so it could be at the top of your inbox on Monday when you got in. And about about two hours later, you was like, we got to do this. Yep. I was like, oh, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. And I think a few weeks later, we were shooting. We were shooting. And <laughs> we got the set in like three weeks. Oh, I know. Or and something that, like I this. was so worried. How are we going to get this set? Right. I was so impressed. You go, I got it. All of it made. Look, Rochelle and got the, doing yeah. research and... And Boom. it came. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it came. I was like, and we were all in shock. Yeah, I, I loved it. I was just yeah. so impressed. But that's, I think that's the beauty of what our station is um, and some of the changes that have taken place. You know, the, the folks behind the cameras in the control room yep. that, that, that the audience doesn't see. I mean, we call them all the time. I can send an email. In fact, I have to sometimes put on the email, okay, if you're reading this, this is on you, not on me. Just ignore my <laughs> right, stuff because right, right. most of us are 24-7 people here. And Absolutely. I think, and, and our audience is 24-7, right. so we got to be there. That's right. And we like to encourage the, the audience to communicate with us what they like, what they don't like. Yep. But yeah. Leslie, you won't believe this. Yeah. We're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. Darn. I enjoyed being, being here you. with you today. Thank you, my friend. Great interview, great show. To my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. And remember, without you, there's no me.